All right, so good evening. So we're, we're, um, we're taping this, taping, is that what you call it? What, what do you call it? There's a recording of this, thank you. Uh, because there are, there are only a few of us here tonight, and I imagine that's due to just everybody getting back into the swing of things, and also um, probably a boring, you know, the, the idea of prospect of a boring uh, preacher too. So, um, but this is, this, we call this vision dinner, and, uh, and it's because we have dinner together and we talk about vision, and uh, that's important, <laughs> you know. <laughs> why be original? Just, just. Um, but it really is a. It really is a lot of what we did in the early days of the church. We patterned after uh, Tim Keller's work in, in New York City, and uh, and they had a monthly. They and back then we did this monthly. Now now we've moved to quarterly because uh, we felt like we just maybe we would have better participation on a quarterly basis instead of on a monthly basis. Uh, and it has not necessarily proven to be the case, but it just makes it easier for everybody. But they felt like on a monthly basis, on a monthly basis, uh, it, it helped to get their leaders together, and um, and really talk about vision stuff because the leaders become the people who kind of, if if you get them on board, if you get them rowing in the same direction, then they can kind of help everybody else. So if you're here, uh, we're so glad you're here. And if you're here, it really is because uh, you're a leader. Uh, you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you weren't, and so it's kind of the culture of our church. So again, I'm really, really grateful uh, for you coming, and so thanks for, thanks for taking the time to do that, okay? Uh, we're going to do two things. The first thing is, we want Joe, 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 what, you were like the seventh round draft pick for this announcement, is that it? We, we have an announcement to make, and literally everybody on the committee said, I can't do it, 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 and it fell to faithful Joe. So Joe's like the seventh round draft pick, but a great one. Yeah, and he actually said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Since the, so, so just know this is an announcement coming from a committee where there's only one committee member at the meeting out of like nine. No, Heather's here. So two. We're, and Gigi. Okay, we got a few here then. We're good. So um, Joe, come and, come and just give us an update on, on Grace and Valley if you would. Okay. Thanks. I was actually going to open with the self-deprecating, you know, last guy picked joke, but uh, you beat me to it. Yeah, so I'm going to give you guys a quick update on Grace Abounding. If you remember, uh, back in November, we kind of rolled this out actually at our 10-year anniversary in October, and it's really a two-year plan in 2019 and 2020 for us to raise funds for maintenance here at the church, uh, church planning, missions, and hopefully, maybe, build some sort of multi-purpose building in the field uh, over here. And as you can see on our chart, our goal was $940,000. And through our kind of two months of asking for pledges, we've received pledges, as in commitments, of, of uh, $610,000. Now, <clears throat> don't be alarmed, since that's not the 940, because uh, at our committee meeting last week, we really thought about it. And if you remember, we kind of prioritized th the top three things which were maintenance, which was 300,000, church planning, which is 100,000, emissions, which is 100,000. Multi-purpose building, we have no idea when, if, what that looks like. It's not really a big priority, but those things, maintenance, getting a roof, and all that stuff is really the priority. So we're really happy that we have pledges far exceeding that 500,000. And we've actually already received 151,000, uh, which has been really encouraging to us as a committee. <clears throat> and since we got such a head start, uh, we actually used those funds to finish the roof 
in, uh, over Covenant Hall. It was really bad. Uh, right before our Christmas party <coughs> in December, <laughs> the night before, it rained terribly. And I'm not sure who came in that Saturday, but it was water pouring down and ceiling tiles on the floor. It was really, really bad. So fortunately, because of your giving and just your faithfulness, we've already got that biggest, you know, number one urgent thing taken care of uh, really faster than we thought would happen. So uh, your community is really encouraged. We're going to be giving kind of updates every few every few months, and you should be getting a letter if, you give, if you've given or if you haven't given or just kind of to update everybody on where we're at. So that's kind of where we are. We're almost there. Uh, hopefully, we do. We would love to get to the 940, uh, but... I wouldn't say we're discouraged at all, being at 610. Um, any questions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so people have committed to give 610. That's not that we've already received 610. We've actually only received 151. But if you remember, we didn't even ask for any gifts in 2018. We didn't want gifts to start coming in until 19 and 20. So really, we're kind of ahead of the curve on all of that. So... Any other questions about that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You were the right guy, Joe. Right. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Everybody, everybody we've talked to says... Uh, I mean, we're that the, the 610 is the low is what they would call the low hanging fruit. Um, the 300 that we have to go. I mean, even some of the even even people who some of the people who pledged 610 said, "Look, let's let's get into this, and you can come back. You can come back to even me, and you know maybe we'll pledge some more or whatever." So we, everybody we've talked to says, "We'll we'll get there." Uh, part of the 610. My good. Everybody is okay out here, I promise. Nobody's dying in the parking lot. That's the, that is the youth group out there. Uh, so, yeah, be encouraged. As far as the only update that I would give you on that is what's next. Um, the, the, we, are, we are right in the middle of, of um, beginning to find people who are going to draft plans for the work that we want to do. So, literally, the, the whole inside of that, of that uh, whole building over there will be updated and renovated, all of the bathrooms. Uh, Covenant Hall, we're, we're gonna take the, f- the things that fold up, just take them out, replace all the ceiling tiles, put new floor in, redesign the room, make it a little more user-friendly, uh, update all of the classrooms, all that kinds of stuff. But there's some design that needs to take place in that, so it's gonna take a couple of months to get that done. So what the next thing we've been green-lighted for is to, is to, is to do this area here, which the main things here, if you look around, I mean, I was told by somebody that in the 50s, um, you used to be able to smoke in the balcony in here in the 50s. Oh, I'm, it wasn't? I thought it was 54. 60, okay, in the 60s, sorry. I was born in 75, Johnny, so I mean, it's like all the, you know, 50s, 60s, kind of the same. Well, you know, it's probably a apocryphal story, but I, I, I use it to say, if you see, I don't think there's been paint. I'm not aware of there having been paint put on it since the original. So I think it's the original paint. So it has kind of dulled over the years. So if we paint everything, brighten it up, 
Um, maybe even think about carpet since we're going to, to you know, going into it. We want to, it's dark in here. You kind of, I mean, it's kind of dark. So we want to, we're going to replace all these lights with LED lights that'll brighten it up. And then we're going to put, we're going to put some lights that will kind of, uh, this is the only, the only way, are you ready? You want to see, this is, this is great. The only way to control the lights in here, you want to see, you ready? We can, where Joe is back there, where we can control the lighting from back there and just kind of get into the 21st century a little bit. And so um, we're excited about all that, okay? Any other questions about any of that? So that's, that's kind of next. Here will be next and then over there. We have the money to do that. And then the other thing is shrubbery and some things to really beautify the outside of the property, especially. We'll probably wait until all this mess is done out here before we, before we do that, though, okay? All right, great. So the second thing we want to do, what time is it? Oh, we got, we got plenty of time. Right. Uh, the second thing we want to do is just just talk about talk about some vision stuff. So you have this sheet of paper. Do you have? Does everybody have this one that says mission and vision statements, danger, and necessity? Okay. Um, if you would flip it over to the back. So I want to talk. I want to talk about just some of the some of the things that we. Excuse me. That we would that we would lay out just in remembrance of tonight. But if you look at the first two paragraphs uh, there, okay, I said I said this. So as we talk about mission and vision statements, the first thing that we need to remember is that the such things, mission and vision statements, can be a danger if we forget that salvation belongs to the Lord. We are saved people, and that's our hope. Amen. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? In that, so I would tell you. Uh, the reality, the reality of my life is, you're fine, the reality of my life is I had a day last week, I was traveling, so I had this luxury, but I had a day last week um, where, and I, I know I'm a preacher and we exaggerate, la, 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 but this is really, really not an exaggeration, where it took me an hour to talk myself into getting out of bed and getting into the day. Right? Anybody? Anybody? Charlie's up at four o'clock running stadiums, you know, so he's looking at, I know. But I had one of those days where it literally, I, I literally, and all I could pray is, uh, Father, give me the courage to just go into the day. Give me the courage to go into the day. Because it's just been, some of you know, we've, we've been going through moving my grandmother out of my house, and there's just been a number of things for our family. And so I just kind of all caught up with me at one time. And I was on the road, and I, you know, have you ever just woken up like that? I mean, so that is the reality of, of where a lot of us live our lives. Is some days, some days it's just kind of hard to get out of the bed. Uh, and the good news is, is it's a great place to be because uh, God is is a our our God is a God who loves to come and meet us in those places of just real need like that, uh, to rescue us. He is a rescuer, and so we need to remember that. So. That And that is our hope. Our hope is that whatever it is we're building here, unless the Lord builds it, the psalmist says, right? We build it in vain. And so our hope is that God is rescuing us, and then in, in rescuing us, he is using us uh, to be a part of the rescue that he has for our city too. Amen? Okay? You with me? And so that's our hope, not our plans. Because the problem is, is that plans, and you, I think you know I'm a planner, like big time. 
Uh, and so plans, though, can easily become a boast. That's James 4, verses 13 through 16. And so in all we talk about tonight and as we talk about vision, I just wanted to remind us that as we talk about vision, we, we need to start with, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, if the Lord wills, right? All of this is really uh, dependent upon God coming in power uh, and using frail, weak people like us to do something that just screams the glory of his name and his power. We're going to look at Moses this week, right? Uh, in, in Exodus, and God comes to Moses and says, go, and, and do you remember how Moses responds? Yeah, why me? Are you sure? I can't. Uh, I'm not the guy. And the Lord's response is really helpful. He says, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it, the Lord's response is, that's not you, I am. Right? It's not about you. It's my power that's going to do this. And we have the same hope. So many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. And we have to remember that, okay? But the other thing is, is we, need, um, we need mission and vision statements uh, to ensure uh, unity and fun. So the church should be unified. We should be one, one, right? We should be together. With me? Nod with me. Church should be fun. We should be having fun. Thank you, Jonathan. I knew you would like that. Church should be fun. And what, what um, ensures the fun is that we, all, that we all have an idea of where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish. And we, it's, we're clear about those things. So the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And that word perish means that you unravel. And so a lack of vision is the reason for division and also for waning spiritual energy in the church. And so if you've experienced that in churches in the past or, or as we've had periods of that here as well, you have to infuse those times with vision because uh, vision is kind of the correction of that. And so I'm going to give you an illustration, okay? I'm going to walk away from the microphone for just a minute. Um, but... Try to, I'm gonna try to talk while I draw. How about that? So we get it on the. So if you imagine, if you imagine a big like, let's pretend like a big lake, and here is a here's a dock uh, that is a that is a, a, a launching um, a, a launching place for boats that are that are going out onto the lake and trying to get across to the other side of the lake. The problem is, is that on the other side of the lake, there's this landing area A, landing area B, and landing area C. And what, what vision does is vision says to all of these people uh, that are here about to get in this boat to go across to the other side, hey, just so you know, before we even get started on this journey, we're headed for B. Because, as you can imagine, what happens, what happens if you get out into the middle of the boat, of the, of the, uh, of the lake, and you realize that you've got all these people in the boat, and they all have oars, but some of them are trying to row towards A, and some of them are trying to row towards C, and some are trying to row towards B. What happens, do you think? Yeah, you go in circles, or you just start getting mad at one another. Anything else? You capsize, yeah, or you capsize. Or people, or people jump out of the boat and, and swim towards whatever, wherever they think they want to go. Or they say, hey, turn the boat around. I want to go back. I, I'm not, I, this is, hasn't turned out the way that I want it to. Now, the great thing about a, a church plant, John, the exciting thing about planting a church is that it is a real opportunity to say to a group of people, hey, we're all here, 
and we're headed, we're headed for B. We're, this is where we're going. And so if you want to go there with us, get on board. Uh, but if not, that's great. It's okay. If you want to go to A, God bless you. A is a great place to go, but it's not where we're going. Does that make sense? Get, yeah. Get your, I'll help, not, not just like get your own boat, right? I'll help you get a boat. I'll help you get a boat as much as I can, uh, and we'll try to get you on your way, but I'm not going to A, and I'm not going to C. And so vision is the thing that, that is it's the, it's the understanding of the destination, um, you know, that allows everyone to, to be on the same page. It's the, on, the only way to get across the lake is if, you, if everybody has agreed where we're going and everybody's trying to work together to get there. Does that make sense? So that's, that's why you need vision is because, and, 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 it's, and there's nothing wrong with, and well, let me say this. And what happens, what happens as you move away from church planting, we've been doing this for 10 years now. So what, what's happened is, is we've gotten out, out in the middle of the lake and people who weren't a part of this way back here have kind of, I, I, the analogy fails, okay? I don't know how they get, like they swim out or something and they kind of, they kind of join in the middle of the journey and you get people who come and say, oh, you guys are going to be, that's great. Uh, can I come along? And, but they secretly want to go to A. And so you got to kind of reorient constantly, right? That's what we're trying to do. So ha- having given that, given that thought, turn over to the, the first page of that sheet that I gave you. And I want to, so I wanna, I'm trying to describe for you what B looks like for us. some thinking about this, and so some of this is a little different wording. Don't get knotted up about that. Nothing, nothing's ever set in stone around here if you haven't figured that out, um, because part of it is my personality to be overthinking things at times. But if you think about why we're here, what our mission is, one of the, way, one of the ways, and it's actually, I like, I like this way of thinking about it better, is um, um, I really think if biblically, and, and as we've meditated on these things, one of the, one of, why we're here to love people and places to life from Polk County with gospel words and gospel works. So a couple things there. We, we've talked about doing ministry in Polk County, and I've been really challenged by some people in, uh, in and around to talk. Why, why don't you guys, I wish you guys would start talking about doing ministry from Polk County. What do you think is the difference? Tony, are you guys doing ministry in Polk County? Are we doing ministry through you from Polk County? Okay. That's one thing, right? What else do you think? Why, what is the significance of that change, do you think? Right. Yeah, so it's, it's saying it's not all going to be contained here. It's a broader vision, yeah. And the reality is, is I mean, I, I don't know if you're aware, but in our little, our little circles within evangelicalism, I mean, we are, we are at a place now to where... Um, I would say nationwide, people in our denomination are curious about what's happening here in Polk County. And they're saying, can you guys help us figure out how to do what you're doing in this, in this place? And so a lot of people have said, can y'all, I love, we love that you're so in love with where you live, but can you please talk about doing ministry beyond just where you live? Um, but for us to love people and places to life, in other words, what people need the, the, the reason for deadness and, and brokenness in people a lot of times is because they've not been met with love and grace and, and, uh, and a will, you know, 
a desire to really see people come out of that deadness and into the life that God's called them. And so to love them to life from Polk County with gospel words and also gospel works. Does that make sense? And so if you think about what then, what does that look like? Uh, skip down to the, uh, to the paragraph there below the gospel city movement. So I think if, if I've been trying to, I've been trying my best to really boil this down in my own heart. But if, if you really want kind of at the, the ground level of what we really hope and pray would happen among us, it is that we would desire and pray for a work of the Holy Spirit among us that results in an increasing number of people who are these three things. One, vitally connected to Jesus and his people through personal and corporate spiritual practices, which include things like community Bible reading and prayer and corporate worship and community groups. Two, that these people would be boldly sharing their faith by living missionally towards unbelievers in the places where they work, live, and play. And thirdly, that they would be faithfully present in the city through the practices of blessing. That just means um, being really excited about the things that the city is excited about. Our church has blessed, uh, you know, businesses in the city that other churches have kind of pulled away from because maybe they didn't meet the paradigm. So blessing and hospitality and volunteerism that intersects with real spiritual and physical needs. So people vitally connected to God and one another, living boldly, sharing their faith towards the people that are around them and faithfully present in the city through those things. Now, how do we want to go about doing this? Well, just again, just some thoughts. This isn't the sum total of everything, but if you ask, like, what are we really striving uh, to be and what what is what are we really uh, what are the real deep values of what we try to do? If you think about our worship services and and most most of the things that we produce here, really the really what we're after is something that is both vital and earnest. I love those two words. So not contemporary, although that's not a terrible that's not a terrible way of talking about things. But it, but um, what does vital mean? What what does that word vital mean? Somebody like give me some synonyms or how would you explain that? Important, necessary, critical. Uh, I would I would say something with um, yeah necessary, something with um, if something has vi- say man there's a lot of vitality in that what what do you mean? Excitement, energy, life, vibrancy yeah. Okay, earnest, what is earnest? So that sense of that really, so that's the spirit, right? There's spirit in it that you really feel a, a power. There's a spiritual power at work, if that makes sense, you know? Uh, but then also um, earnest, what do, we, what do you think, what does that word earnest mean? Sincere, what are, what are the words? I should move over because I feel like I'm like way away from y'all over here. Diligent, truthful, transparent. Yeah, earnest is a sense of uh, the things we're doing really matter. There's a weightiness. There's a he- there's a like there's a heaviness, but not a drab heaviness, right? I mean, it's like this this is life or death stuff, right? So not the op- like a, a, maybe a good way to think about earnest. Would be, what would what would the opposite of earnest be? Flippant, lackadaisical, right? Apathetic, slothful, all those things, right? So. So vital and earnest. Uh, we want to be humble. One of the things that Jonathan and I say to one another over and over and over again is slow, small, simple, slow, small, simple, slow, small, simple. Um, friendship is a really big value. If you've not figured it out by now, we are far more relational than we are institutional. Has anybody ever, has anybody picked up on that? 
okay? They're, they're strengths, and they're also weaknesses in that, but it is a value. Uh, stability, long-term local ministry. We want to be here for a long time. We want to do this for a long time. Um, we've, you know, a lot of us have lived here our whole lives or close to it, and we'd like to uh, be here for a long time. Outward face, in other words, we want to be targeting and, being think- and constantly in everything we do thinking about non-Christian people. Uh, and really be thinking about people who are not yet a part of us and not just thinking about ourselves. Jesus said, I did not, and I like Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. Uh, he says, you know, he, he puts in Jesus' mouth the words, I have not come to coddle insiders, but to invite outsiders. Uh, bottom up, not top down. In other words, uh, where, where a lot of the energy and ideas and all of that stuff comes from is not from the leadership. The leadership are not the gatekeepers necessarily of everything that happens in the church. Uh, the, the, all, of, all of the ideas and energy really comes from a grassroots organization and the leaders are there just to help people. So people will come to me and say, what can I do to help you? And I say, that's the wrong question. The question is, what can I do to help you? Because what's my job? My job is to equip. Is my job to do all the ministry? My job is to equip all of you to do the ministry, right? Uh, sending, not gathering. So measuring success, not by not by crowds that gather here, but by the number of leaders that we send into our community and all over the world. And then, and then just the realization that um, what, what we hope God, um, what we hope the Lord does here in our city is by definition going to be bigger than just what can be contained in this little church. So let's don't take ourselves too seriously, right? And let's don't forget that the Spirit's at work in other places. But let's join that greater, bigger work and be a part of it, okay? Uh, so if you, want to boil down our, if you want to boil down our strategies to three things, here's the way I would say them to you. Uh, the gospel is our curriculum, okay? What I mean by that is, is if somebody says to me, um, hey, uh, I'm struggling in, my, I'm struggling in um, parenting. Can we do a parenting seminar? Of course we can do a parenting seminar. But what, uh, what, I, what I firmly, or let's use marriage. Marriage is a better example. Hey, we're struggling in our marriage. Can we, you know, what, what book can we read? What can we do? What, you know, I, I need something to help. And what I would say to people struggling in their marriage that whatever they need, what they need the most is uh, they need a deeper understanding and application of the gospel in their relationship. The gospel is the solution to hard things in marriage. It's a solution. So the gospel is the solution for all of the problems in sanctification that we find. And so the gospel is our curriculum and everything we do. Have you noticed we just kind of keep going back to the gospel? You with me? Okay. And that's on purpose. It's not because, um, it, well, it's, it's, it's intentional. The second thing is, the second strategy is that we would intentionally adopt city-loving models of ministry and word and deed. We want to be a church that exists for city of Winter Haven that that you know and for the county and for we want to we want to we dream our goal is something other than than that we're just a great church or successful church uh we really do desire to be a part of a great city and then thirdly uh because of those things we 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 tend to minimize programs for the sake of multiplication and so we've, we've kind of just gone all in on the idea of church planting. And I, I thought about this today as just an analogy, and this is going to be taped. So I have to wonder whether, because I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but I don't. Anyway, okay. So, um, sorry, I'm just kind of thinking and trying to follow the spirit. Yeah. Well, so, so a lot of you may not know part of the story, but Heartland, Heartland, Heartland Church is here in, in um in downtown Winter Haven, Ed Kendrick, who's a, who's a friend, and I really 
really do value him and, and the ministry they're doing. They're probably the largest, they're probably the largest church in the city. They have about a thousand people uh, come on Sundays. And so it's, it's a big, it's a big church. And obviously, you know, uh, but what, what you may not know is that um, in 2001, when, or right around 2001, when, when Ed was approached to do that um, church, it's a Southern Baptist church. I was, I was a youth pastor at Calvary Baptist Church at the time. And uh, the association actually asked me if I wanted to plant that church. And I said no, because I was really young. I was like 25 at the time. I had no business doing that. Uh, so I've just kind of always tracked that church's progress. Well, now they have about 1,000 people coming uh, on Sunday mornings and great ministries and uh, a, a tremendous blessing to the city in a lot of ways. But what I would say to you is um, Trinity, our mother church, started about the same time but had a very different philosophy of ministry. Their philosophy of ministry was multiplication through church planting all over the city. And so not, hey, just gather more and more people here and we'll have big, great ministries and we'll do all these things, but rather we're just gonna be all in on church planting. And in about the same amount of time, I, I did the numbers today, I think, uh, that, that commitment to church planting has resulted in 10 new churches all over the county being planted with about 2,500 people on Sunday mornings coming to those churches. And most of that growth, to be honest with you, well, not most, but a huge portion of that growth over those 20-something years are through conversions of non-Christian people to the faith. So about the same timeline, 1,000 people, biggest church in the city, lots of great things going on, but you've accomplished the same thing, uh, but 2,500 people with 10 churches in 10 different parts of the city uh, and a lot of growth through, through evangelism and conversions. And I would say, uh, but, but in the next 20 years, what did I say we were going to start with? If the Lord wills, in the next 20 years, we could see that number go to something like 10 to 15,000 people. Because it's multiplication. Ten, right? It took 20 years to plant five churches. We've planted five in the last two. So it just starts to... You see what I'm saying? It starts to get exponential. And so we just said, you know what? We're going to, we are for the sake of multiple, we are all in a multiplication. The problem is, is if you're going to be all in a multiplication because there's finitude, you have to say no to some things. And so we are, we are, we are, minim, we, we t- tend to minimize programs for the sake of multiplication. And it's just, it's a strategy. And it makes church feel different than it would otherwise, but it's what we've decided to do. Now, our five year plan, if you want to like get a prayer card, uh, this is the way I pray for this. And so you see our five-year plan. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we're praying for revival, okay, that would result in new leaders because after 10 years, a lot of the people who really have been in leadership, we need new leaders all over the place. We need, we need a new spirit of volunteerism everywhere. I would tell you one of the discouraging things to the staff is we're in a period where uh, it feels like everybody we ask, if they'll do something, they tell us no. And we're, we're losing people off of children's ministry schedules and we're losing people off of hospitality schedules and it's just becoming harder and harder and so we're just praying because we need new volunteers but we need new leadership in all those places too because we want to grow through two services to 500 people so that we can continue to do the church planning work Uh, please don't be offended that I put hola there but just because we're trying to figure out what does ministry to Spanish-speaking people look like because God's just given us that opportunity Uh, the steeple there means we're figuring out what to do with these facilities so that the ultimate goal would be four churches in the four quadrants of the city with 1,000 people total. Uh, we would love to see Heart for Winter Haven continue to thrive and flourish and do great in the city. And our ultimate goal would be 20 new churches in 20 years through New Polk. That's our five-year, really, it's our 10 to 15-year plan. Now, and so, 
what do we ask of people? What are we really asking people to do? And it really does boil down to these five things. Make, public, make weekly public worship a priority. Be here on Sundays. Pursue friendship with others in community groups or in some other small group. Wholeheartedly commit to develop habits of private worship, including CBR journal and prayer cards. Then figure out how to use your time, treasures, and talents to support the church in its worship and work. If you're a member, you've taken a vow to do that. So what does it look like for you to use whatever time and whatever treasures and whatever talents you have to help the church? We're a, we're a bare-bones, minimalist church, and yet we still, to put on Sunday mornings, I don't even know. Joe, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, How many volunteers does it take to put on a Sunday morning service here? Probably between... 30 and 50 on a weekly basis, right? So 20% of the church it takes, and it can't be the same 30, you know, 25 to 50. So it's a lot of volunteers just to do what we do on Sundays. And then, and then discover a mission field outside of the church and seek training to be the best that you can be in that work. And we can come back to those in a minute, okay? So those are just... That is just a big upper-level view. Hey, this is where we really feel like we're trying to go. Okay, turn the page over. And there's a couple, a couple of other thoughts about this that I, that I just want to say. And we have about 10 more minutes. And so I'm trying, I know we're trying to get the number four down there so we can just debrief a little bit about last Sunday night. Uh, but before we get there, uh, do you see a few thoughts about a third of the way down the page? So one of the things in my little drawing here, I got to get out of the way. One of the things... Uh, that I've got to win you to because it's a, it's a different way of thinking about this is is to say to you, how did I say this? The first thing I have to win you to is that the church is not the goal. So B, B is not some idealized version of the of Redeemer Winter Haven or Redeemer City Church. Uh, the church is actually the boat in the middle of the lake taking people towards the destination. Does that make sense? So the church is not the goal of the gospel, it's the instrument of the gospel. It's not the destination, it's the vehicle. And so the irony is, in the kind of church we're trying to be, is that a faithful church is actually working in such a way that it is threatening its own success in the process. So I will be honest with you. If, if the only way to get to be was that our ship sank in the middle of the lake. I'm in for our ship sinking in the middle of the lake. Does that make sense? Like my goal for this church is not uh, that, that in 2108 we will celebrate the 100th year anniversary of Redeemer. I could care less. My goal is that God would use us towards what we've said we really are after in the first place, which is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and the Bible says that Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. The only way for there to be fruitfulness is if the seed goes into the earth and dies, then it bears fruit. And so the goal we're aimed at is the kingdom of God, which is new hearts, a new people, a new city. And so the only way to get there is sometimes is, is to die. But the second thing is, is just note that every church has strengths and weaknesses. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Can I get an amen? Okay, are we a perfect church? Are we going to ever be a perfect church? Would you stop expecting us to be a perfect church? You see what I'm saying? Because it's just not going to happen. So two things uh, contribute to this. First is finitude. We're all finite. There's just not enough time and energy and resources to do everything. But second is personality. Churches have unique personalities or styles, and it means 
A personality and style means that every church kind of excels in certain areas, uh, but in every strength, there's a corresponding weakness. So wherever a church or, you know, wherever a person or wherever a church tends to excel, that excelling in that area comes with kind of an obvious struggling in another area. And so a healthy church is a church that um, strives to have both a healthy emphasis on one to two things that, you know, these are the one or two things that we're going to do really, really well, and they're the things we want to do really, really well, but with everything else, there's still a healthy balance of trying to still do the best job you can with everything else. An unhealthy church neglects uh, ministry priorities that are harder uh, for the church culture to embrace and becomes imbalanced, and so the trick is to grow and to make corrections and say, you know what, we're kind of weak in this area, and to make corrections without overcorrecting. In other words, uh, you sense an imbalance, and you say, you know what, we, we do really well here, we don't do so well here, and so now we're going to put energy and time and resources into doing well here, and what, what you do is, in trying to fix the imbalance, all you do is create a different imbalance. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so it's just really difficult, and just so we just need to know that. And what happens is, is churches tend to are, attract people whose priorities align with the church's strengths. And churches also, intentionally or unintentionally, tend to alienate people who are not in alignment with the predominant personality. And so, and I, I write in there, this keeps the church from experiencing revival. And so you should join a church that rubs on you and that you rub on. And then row together towards where they're headed. But hear me, but don't think that you're going to change the direction the boat is going. If you think that, you're only going to end up upset all the time and you'll be the cause of dissension and unhappiness for others. Okay? So Redeemer was planted with specific goals and strategies and structures in mind. And here, I'll be honest, we are not going to change. We are going to be strong in a couple of areas. And here's some of the places that I think we're strong. I think, I think we're going to be strong in gospel proclamation and worship and word. I think our worship services are, are vibrant and earnest. And they're going to be, and that's going to be a priority for us. I do think we uh, are strong in relational connections. I put a star there because some of you may not have experienced this place to be that way. But um, for the majority of people, it is. And again, we're trying to stay balanced and work on that. And I think our city vision is going to be strong. And those are just going to kind of be the things that drive ministry here. We're going to struggle with assimilation, with relational connections for new people. Because Winter Haven is a hard place for new people to break into. And our church is full of people who've been in Winter Haven for a long time, and so the church can be so too. We're going to struggle in, in providing training that is highly programized and what I would call, quote-unquote, deep. Because remember, what's our curriculum? The gospel. And so it's just going to be it's something we want to grow in, but it's going to continue to be a struggle. And we're going to struggle in, in specialized ministry to felt needs. And things like aesthetics and programming and facilities. I mean, there's a reason why we waited 10 years to have to raise $940,000 because we didn't want to spend a lot of money on facilities. Why not? Because it's not a priority. Because ministry in the city is the priority, right? And so there, there's just going to be some struggles there. And so if those, if, if your strengths are, uh, if, if our strengths are a priority and passion for you, you're going to do fine. But if our weaknesses are a passion and a priority for you, then it's going to be hard. But here's my pitch, and a lot of you probably hear this doesn't apply to you, but maybe some people who are listening. Uh, if our weaknesses are a passion and a priority for you, my belief is that is God showing you exactly where he wants you to go to work. And I would say stay and make us better. And so thinking about these things leads me to arrive. I want to spend, we have five minutes maybe, and I'm sorry we didn't have more time than that. But um, 
wanting to be a, a church that, that has, a, has a city-loving model of ministry and that thinks about things out there is one of the reasons why we, why we had the service that we had uh, this past Sunday evening with uh, Living Word of Faith Church uh, in um, Florence Villa. And so um, thinking about our city and thinking about the needs of the city led us in the work through Heart for Winter Haven that we're doing in the city led us just the, the natural conclusion that there's a big problem in, in the city of Winter Haven, and that is that um, peoples of different culture and, and skin color and so forth are, are in large measure alienated from one another, and the gospel uh, is giving us unique resources to, to change that. Uh, and, and the reality in my own life is I have, very, I, I have no real significant African-American friends, and because, my li- because it's just the natural you know, tendency of my life to not cause my life to intersect with people uh, that don't look like me. And so what it takes is it takes an intentional, proactive correction, right, to make that happen, which is what Sunday night was. So I just, so any, uh, any of you came Sunday night? What, what, how'd you feel about Sunday night? Gigi smiling. Okay, good. It was a good time, wasn't it? it was ex- why was it so exciting, Gigi? Okay. Yeah, you did. Welcome. Okay. Good. Anybody else? If you didn't, I mean, and if you didn't go, it's okay. So, so does everybody know what we're talking about? So we went and had a joint service with an African-American congregation. We called it a reconciliation service because, um, because we wanted to just admit and confess the reality that our lives just so seldom intersect with one another. And, and it really should be different in trying to figure out how to do that. Ken? Mm-hmm. Yep. With someone from their church. Yeah, I would. I think I, we counted about twenty-five. There, was, there were a few like running around in the back, but it's it's a very small church. So it's a church. I think I think they probably had about a third of the people who would attend on a Sunday morning, and we had a quarter of the people who would attend on a Sunday morning. So the 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 ratios were the same. They're just a much smaller church. And honestly, I think it's a much harder, it's a much harder ask for uh, African American, the African American community than it is for the white community in some ways. Just in the sense of, just, what I mean is just in the sense of, um, um, there's, I think there, I think there's a lot of cynicism and suspicion that you're still trying to fight through with people in their church, probably, unfortunately. Right? What's that? Barriers. It's, they're just more, they're easier, easier barriers for us to overcome than for some of their people to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is the product of us running around the city and saying, gosh, this is a problem, right? And saying, okay, we want to be a problem part of fixing this problem um we need to figure out how to we need to figure out how to build bridges here because this is important uh and what was encouraging to me was pastor alfonso he seemed very he seemed very hesitant at first and very reluctant part of it's his personality now when when you know a black ag pastor i'm thinking this dude probably is like wow you know like whatever and he's a very subdued quiet guy which is really shocking shocking to me but you heard if you were there you heard him at the end he just was really warm and said this was great i was so this 
so exciting for us. And so I watched him kind of come alive some, which is really neat. And the idea is that we would build a relationship intentionally with this church so that together we could come together in meaningful ways of service and ministry in the city. Um, you know, uh, and, and so their services are very different than ours. Patrick and Molly did a great job, I thought, with, did y'all enjoy the music? I loved the music this past Sunday, actually. I mean, I, we could do that every week, Molly, as far as I'm concerned. It was just a really, it was just a lot of fun. If you weren't here last Sunday, I mean, it was different. Um, but, I, but uh, you know, it, and it was, it was trying to, you know, a different grid. Um, but there are opportunities for us to work together uh, and, and <laughs> the Presbyterian churches in the city don't work together, right? You see what I'm saying? I mean, the Baptist churches in the city don't work together. And it's part of why the city is not flourishing. And so if Presbyterians can't figure out how to work with other Presbyterians, and if Baptists can't figure out how to work with other Baptists, then black and white and Hispanic are going to have a terrible time figuring out how to work together too. And we feel like God has put us here for the sake of the city to say, we've got to solve that problem. Because if the church were ever to start to work together, We could do some things. And, and there is a racial divide in Winter Haven. It's geography. Think about it. Right? If you live in southeast Winter Haven, just go in Publix in southeast Winter Haven and then go in the Publix at Northgate over here. You, it, is, it is almost like being in a different country. The, the, the food that's served, I mean, all the things, right? Because they're so, they're so different you know, cultural geographies in our city. And, it, and, it's, and it's a product of a lot of things over a lot of years. Uh, and we want to be a part of uh, seeing bridges built. Does that make sense? So I'm sorry, we ran out of time. That's my fault. But if, if, there's, if there's a desire to talk more about those things, uh, we want to do that. Um, and that won't be the last time we, we get together with that group. We'll, we'll find them again, okay? Any other, any other thoughts or questions before I wrap up? I'm late. You got to go get your kids or I'm gonna, those people are going to be mad at me over there. Well, thanks again for coming. One other thing. Oh, I thought you were just doing this right here. I thought you were, I thought you were signaling me. Uh, on this, on this uh, table here as you leave tonight, we're having a congregational meeting on Sunday to just present the budget to you. The way this works in a Presbyterian church, because we're not a congregational church, we're not voting necessarily on the budget because the, the, the session and not the congregation is really given um, the authority to, to do those things. But we do want to make you aware of what it is and so you can have any questions answered because we all need to be rowing in the same direction, and, and that's a part of that. So if you want to grab one of those and take it home, so you look it over, and then if you have any questions on Sunday, you're welcome to do that. Right after the second service. It'll be 10 minutes. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm going to B. I'm going to B. Yeah, come on, Diane. So grab one of those, then uh, proxy your vote or something. I don't know, whatever you want to do. Um, but we would love to hear from you if, with any questions or concerns you have about that too, okay? All right, thanks for being here. Let me pray. So Father, continue uh, to build the house because if it's not you, then it's in vain. And continue to lead us, we pray. Uh, and give us a great heart for the city of Winter Haven because your heart for Winter Haven is great. And give us all the energy and strength and grace we need to follow you, help us to keep in step with you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all.